Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Junk Drawer Podcast. Alrighty, welcome back to the Junk Drawer Podcast, and this is another uh what, what did we call it? Roundtable discussions with Quincy. I mm-hmm. guess is what we kind of settled on for um, the topic of this mini series within the Junk Drawer Podcast. And uh, in this one, I kind of let Quincy choose the topic that I thought would be fun um, to have him kind of pick um, what our talking points would be about today. And uh, it actually kind of coincides a lot with uh, previous episodes I've done talking about work ethic and such things. And he kind of wanted to narrow down and focus specifically on the different jobs um, that we've worked and then just different, either whether it may be funny stories that go along with those jobs um, or even things we learned from different bosses, both positive and negative and uh, just different experiences, maybe even life lessons learned in those places. So um, I'm going to kind of hand it off to Quincy in a way to kind of start diving in with where he wants to. I don't know if maybe he has some questions uh, to direct things and talking points to direct things, but I'm going to kind of hand it off to him. So Quincy, go ahead and say hey and uh, take it away. Hey, it's good to be back, man. And uh, I just have a list of jobs I've done here and I've done a lot of random stuff, some for short periods, some for long periods. So like you said, just go over a few of mine and hopefully hear some of yours, just some good things that Uh, I've learned. Um, in each one. Yeah. And uh, just quick disclaimer, Quincy has a cold, so you may hear him cough, sneeze, or even take a drink of water. So just roll with yeah. it. It's a part of the Junk Drawer podcast. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, one quick thing. Did your dad ever like come home and be like, yo, Quincy, I got you a job and you just like had to do it and just like roll with it? Yeah. 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 Most definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, like I remember so many times dad would come home and he'd be like, Luke and Silas, I got you guys a job. And we'd be like, you did what? And it'd be like, it'd, it'd always be something like raking leaves or whatever. But yeah. it was still like, okay, and thanks for asking my yeah, input. We, but- <laughs> we had a word for that in my family. We called it, instead of volunteered, it's voluntold. Yeah. So yeah. dad would come home and voluntold us to do something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyway, I don't want to take it away, but go ahead. Seriously. No, so I'll just start at the very beginning. I think the first thing I can ever think of that I got paid to do for somebody else was cleaning out this guy's garage. And when I was in West Virginia, there was this guy who was a, um, he was in the pharmacy industry, I think. He's pretty well off. And if he lost something, he would just buy another one. And then, you know, he would, he would tend to lose things. He's kind of forgetful. And if he had two of something, he would just throw it in his garage. And so his garage just became, he had shelving stuff in there. It just become piled up with a bunch of random stuff. (laughs) And so once a year he would go through and he would, he would have me come to him. We would take everything out, all of the whatever mowers and motorcycles. He had several and, and tools. And, and then we would deal with all the random stuff and we'd throw so many things away and um, he gave me a lot of the stuff. If I found two or something, yeah. I would be like, "Hey, can I have this?" And, and that's, like, that's yeah, what yeah, I was gonna ask. It, is it like kind of like the hoarders? You know, you get you see these guys that go in and clean out the hoarders' house, and or even like they'll buy hoarders' houses after, and they'll go through and they'll be like claiming everything, and you find some good right. stuff. It's kind of as I was gonna ask. It was kind of like that. I was like, "Oh, yeah, found, most hey, definitely." I found I, two of these. Can I take one? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I still have a knife that he gave me. It's a pretty nice knife, but it didn't have a sheath. 
And so he's like, oh, I don't need this. You can have it. So yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I got got a handful of things. So yeah, it's just first thing uh, on the list because first thing I ever got paid for. But definitely learned two things. One, he's a very giving man. And even outside of that, if I found two things, he'd give me one. But yeah, he offered a lot of time with me. He would take me to church on different events and things. My parents were able to make it. We lived close to one another. And um, and I also learned not to be a collector. So I don't have yeah. to do that every year with my own stuff. Yeah, I remember growing up, of course, like I said, dad was always volunteering us. There was a guy in our church who had a like really good friend. And he was he was like a hoarder of artifacts. Like he was big into history. And the guy had so much like historical stuff. And I remember we went and helped him move. And the whole time be like, oh, if you see anything you guys want, just, you know, let me know and take it. Yeah. So then you'd be like, you'd find something that was like really cool. And you'd be like, hey, I can't remember the guy's name. We'll just go with Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, can I, can I have this? Oh, ah, man. No, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's really not, I, I can't let that go. And you're like, and we ended up leaving with like nothing actually like that we could take because it was yeah. like everything was his valuables but yeah right. so i know that um my first job I, I guess i talked a lot about um working with my dad in the family business so that would really be my first job so because i already covered that i don't want to beat a dead horse so i'll cover kind of my first job outside of the family business uh right down the road from where we lived Actually, I could walk to his house through the woods in about 20 minutes. So we, we lived on like the side of a mountain. So we were kind of on one side and then you kind of go over the slope and he was on the other side. Uh, he's a Christian guy. He was a member of a mission board called Wish. They'd go to Haiti all the time. And the okay. first thing I started, he's also a welder. And uh, the first thing I started doing for him was I'd house it. Him and his wife would go for two, sometimes three weeks at a time. So because we lived so close, we'd house it for him. They'd like stock the fridge and freezer because we they had a yeah. dog. So we'd go house it for okay. him. Um, but then I also worked with him in the shop. Um, I didn't ever do any welding for him. He was actually going to teach me how the year we moved. Um, so that's uh, kind of a little bit of a bummer. But I did, me and actually I think Hunter worked for him some too in the shop. We did a bunch of stuff, um, learning different things, how to grind and do different things with him. But then we'd also do a ton of landscaping for the guy. He had like a pond up on a hill and he bought these like six by four foot pieces and then like six or eight inches thick rock. And so I had to use like, we built these stairs coming down. I think it was me, Luke and Hunter did that. So it was a lot of fun. I would say that that was probably my first job outside of like the family business. And um, he was just very generous. It was kind of like one of those things as, you know, young I mean, I started working for him. I was probably 12 or 13, like doing stuff. Okay. And it, but yeah, he, um, it was another way of learning how to work. Um, and he was just very generous, which is cool. And especially having another Christian mentor, a mentor that you're working for, I think is super important because then you learn responsibility working for somebody else at an early mm-hmm. age. Um, and you work, you learn work ethic, but it's coming from, it, it's one thing to learn from your dad. And I think that is primarily where you should learn. But it was awesome seeing that same work ethic in another Christian man that was teaching us at the same time. So I think that's good. I think it's important, um, the different role models um, position. But, yep, go ahead. Yeah, no, for sure. I guess I'll lump the next two or three, two and a half together. Um, The half is my short stint at seeking to be self-employed and doing a lawn business. 
And I, I wrote out a bunch of note cards uh, by hand, my name and my phone number. It's actually how I memorized my phone number because I wrote it so many times on those note cards. Your business and, cards? Uh, offering, yeah, exactly. You, you didn't right. use Vistaprint? <laughs> no, man. I was, <laughs> I was probably 13 years old. I didn't even know about Vistaprint. So I wrote my phone number on there. I just had a flip phone with the minutes, you know. And I would go yeah. around and knock on doors and try to get, I remember one time I knocked on this lady's door and I would offer to do everything, you know, and uh, this lady partic- in particular had, uh, her gutters were all full. I knocked on her door and I was like, hey, I'll clean your gutters out for so much money. You know, I gave her the spiel. She's <laughs> like, how are you going to get up to the gutters? I was like, well, I'm going to climb a ladder. She's like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and I was only 12 or 13 and I guess she didn't trust me to go up on her roof yeah, yeah. and clean out the gutters. Like, come on, man, I can't. Couldn't catch a break, right. but I finally got I finally got one guy, and um, I think I was charging twenty or thirty for a lawn at the time, and he expected me just to mow, and so I showed up with a weed eater and a blower because that in my mind is doing the job right, and I mowed, weed eated, and then blew off his driveway, and he was so impressed with that he was like, oh, "Wow, I'll pay you extra." So he paid me forty, nice. and I kept him for two or three years after that, and obviously I had to move on into different jobs because it didn't <laughs> work out to sustain me full time, but. But I was able to just use him as extra side income. Definitely right. taught me going the extra mile and right. uh, taught me about rejection too. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we, uh, the part of the family business, window washing. We also did power washing and we did gutter cleaning, which it was always like the worst part of the job because you had to get up and clean out gutters. Um, out mm-hmm. of the, out of the three, like gutters is probably the worst. I remember this. There's we're at this one house and it was like a cottage or like a cape. And Brendan was cleaning out the gutters. And when he pulled the leaves like out of the spigot or out of the spout, like going down, um, yeah. he didn't see that the gutter, uh, the drainage gutter going to the ground was disconnected. So it was basically like a break in between. And so okay. when he pulled it out about, I don't know how many gallons, I mean, a completely full gutter on probably yeah, yeah. a 20 foot foot of front foot of the house completely drained and right below it was this lady's iPhone. So the entire <laughs> gutter just drained on her phone. I remember we were all like scrambling trying to get it, but it was funny. Um, and it's crazy the predicaments you get yourself into just as you're working, just like the crazy things that happen and there's like not much you can do about it, but Hey, you kind of just roll with it and figure it out. <laughs> right. But, right. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But yeah. And then, uh, uh, so then- yeah, oh, go was, ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, no, actually, you go ahead. Um, I'll go after you. Okay. Well, the next two things I was going to lump together are kind of my last two jobs that I did that were for other men in the church or whatever before I actually, you know, had to fill out paperwork and 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 quote unquote real jobs, you could say. <laughs> so this one was pressure washing and then doing landscaping with with a guy who actually had a business up and running. <clears throat> Excuse me. And for pressure washing, I was. Uh, probably 14 or 15 when I started and we would go and pressure wash semi trucks and semi trailers, sometimes the inside of empty semi trailers. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a pretty big and powerful pressure washer. Yeah. Was it like, was it one of the ones that was like in a vehicle, like around a trailer or was it? Yeah. Yep. It was on a trailer at the time. Did it do hot water too? You know, I don't know. I don't think his, his probably had the capability to, but we never used yeah. that if it, if it could have. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. It had like a, I remember dad, like that was the one thing he wanted to move on to was getting a hot one to do like gas okay. stations and stuff. Cause you have to have the, oh, the sure. hot water to get like the oil and stuff. Yeah, we, yeah. we know we moved before that um, came to fruition, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Sure. No. Yeah. I don't think his was hot water. 
But anyways, so we would have a huge, uh, that big pressure washer, which has ruined me because all pressure washers today just seem like amped up hoses after using such a powerful commercial one. Um, But we'd have two lines. One would be a soaping line. One would be a rinsing line. And we'd soap the truck or trailer up and then rinse it off afterward. And I'd say both of those jobs taught me two things primarily. And one would be continuous improvement. And I think there's a lot of people you see them work and they're content just to get the job done. Yeah. Once they're done, like, okay, I'm glad. But here, you know, in landscaping and especially in pressure washing, you're always trying to gain more time, do it quicker without losing um, any of your accuracy or without losing yeah. any quality in your finished product. And so always watching, you know, the expert, how he does yep. it and trying to learn yep. from him and then always growing in yourself Yeah, is is one of the important lessons there. Yeah, and that's actually a really good segue um, kind of into one thing that I was going to talk about. And so right now, um, just through awesome opportunities, I talked a little bit about the job I do now um, in an earlier podcast, but right now I'm actually in a leadership position in the company where I work. Um, I work side by side with my boss, which is awesome. And uh, as I've done this, I've kind of been in this role now for about two no actually this is my third year in the role that i'm in and one thing i've learned is like in training people it's like a totally different animal like it's one thing to have a job and get to the point to where you're excelling at a job and you can be really really Mm -hmm. good at it then it's like a whole nother thing training other people Mm -hmm. and you almost see you see way more of the flaws that can be there um, you realize, like, I, I, I didn't realize how God had gifted me for what I do until I started training other people and seeing that, <laughs> sure. and I don't mean that like arrogantly. I mean that with all humility, like I, I it really put into perspective, perspective that God truly has given me a gift for what I do because like trying to train people and then they don't get it. And then you are trying to, and it's not necessarily a fault of their own. It may just not be their, you know, their niche. It may not be the way their brain thinks hundred percent. So it's going to take them a little longer to learn and they can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it like totally teaches you patience. It, it, it completely changes how you approach a job. Um, like I do a lot of things a very specific way. I'll, I'll go into a job knowing exactly how I'm going to do it, exactly how I'm going to get there. And I could get it done, whatever the job might be in, and let's just say, pick a number, an hour. It's like, okay, I know this job. I know how to do it. It's going to be boom, boom, boom. These three steps done. Well, now I've got to train somebody else how to do it, but I have to put it down on a level of learning so that they're not, so I'm going to set them up for success rather than failure. Like that's one thing I've learned a lot is a lot of times I set people up for failure because of my lack of understanding how to train them. It's not necessarily that we're trying to, you know, set somebody up for failure, but I may have a lack in my teaching or like I may not put it down on a, and and not to say this to put anybody down. That's not the purpose of saying it this way, but I didn't put it on a low enough shelf for Mm -hmm. like the average guy just to figure it out. And like training other people is one of the best ways. One, it it teaches you humility. (laughs) It kind of puts things into perspective, but also teaches you, better ways to approach things, better ways to have processes. And if any way, it's actually one of the best ways to get better at your job. Um, Right right now I have a guy that he's been working for me for 
uh, for us for, man, I want to say four, maybe even five years. And I've been pushing him a lot in the last couple months um, to teach other guys. It's way out of his comfort zone. And I, I like, I knew that when I, when I went to him, I was like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to be teaching these guys. Um, we hired, we've hired a few new guys recently. So I, I've really been pushing him and I've seen him grow. And I don't think even he realizes how much he's growing by having to teach other people. Hmm. And I realized like, that's actually, you know, in, in leadership, it's very easy, especially when you're good at something to when you're training somebody and they fail or they're doing it slow or you're not doing how I would do it to just go in and say, Hey, step aside, watch me, you know, watch me do it. But then you do do it. it. And I I learned the hard way that that is not setting your guys that you're trying to train and mentor. That's not setting them up for success. If anything, it's setting them up for failure because then they're just going to rely on you to be the one that does it, or they're not going to know how to do it. Um, and I tell the guys all the time, I've learned that, that about me, like that's a weakness in my training abilities, if you will, that it's just the way I think I go in Hey, it's easy. I'll just do it. And then they'll, they'll learn from watching me. It's not the case, especially if not for me, I had to learn hands on. Uh. So I've learned, I've told, I tell the guys now as I'm training them, I'll be like, Hey, if I'm ever in the place where you're like, if, if I take over. And you're like, okay, I, I understand what you're telling me to do, but I need to do it. Just tell me. I'm not going to be offended if you say, hey, Sai, shut up and get out of my way. Let me do it. If anything, I want you to do that more because sometimes I'm so in the moment, I don't realize that that's what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's uh, that's one thing I've learned kind of the hard way by like having guys. And then if I'm on the road, then they're doing it there. And then they're calling me like, Hey, how do you, and I'll be like, dude, you've done it like 15 times. Well, then I'll realize, well, no, those 15 times I butt in and I did it and they didn't learn. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I've learned in training people is actually when you're training other people in what you do, it really actually helps improve on excellence. It helps you grow in what you're doing. Um, even especially when it, it may even be something you're not even as good at, but then when you have to teach it, your brain like thinks, okay, why am I doing it this way? And then it's like, well, okay, I'm doing it, but okay, if we do it this way, you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I know. I don't know if you're ever in a leadership role or maybe not even in work, but just in a teaching capacity where you, you saw the same thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I can thinking of college, like that's a well-known expression. You don't, I don't remember who said it, but you don't actually know something until you're able to teach it. And so a lot of times if you're struggling with something, it might sound dumb to say, teach somebody something you're struggling with. Like it should be the only people that have it completely figured out. But by vocalizing and working through whatever issue you're trying right. to memorize or you're trying right. to understand, you'll, you'll understand it better. And hopefully you'll be helping that person understand it better as well. And the same thing goes right. for work, whether it be a process or a concept behind why we do certain things. Right. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, definitely like I don't feel like I'm gifted as a teacher but everybody can teach um mm-hmm. I may be a bad teacher or you know <laughs> the, the guy that works with me who's doing great at what he's doing he may not be the best teacher it might not be in his in his strike zone if you will yeah but he he's grown like I'm seeing him grow in leadership and maturity by having to teach so even sure. if you're not like the best teacher on the face of the planet 
you're still going to grow by teaching. And, uh, you know, it's definitely a good skill to learn, I think. And I definitely think you can even improve on it. But anyway, that's a little, that's that little side trail, but I don't know where you're going next. So, well, one more thing I was going to say I learned from, especially from pressure washing, man, because we would do it in the winter as well. Yeah. And even though it's North Carolina, it still would get cold and your hands would get wet. I remember taking my gloves off sometime because there's, there's two lines, but only one line could be running at a time. So if he's soaping and I'm waiting for him to get done before I can rinse, I would take my gloves off and put them in front of the muffler and let the hot air yeah. from the muffler be blowing out, trying to dry my gloves out so I could put them back on and be warm for 30 seconds. I'd just be ready to go home. If yeah. I'd been working for one hour or three, we wouldn't even work for more than four or five hours usually at this job. So it wasn't yeah. long shifts or anything. Yeah. But I would often find myself thinking to myself, like, I hope this is the last one. I hope we're done yet. And at the beginning, that would influence my speech. And I'd be like, is this the last one? Is this it? You know, and we would finish watching the truck. And I would just be asking him, you know, and quickly shifting to and learning to say, what else? And sure. I learned that in a lot of other yeah. jobs. My folks have taught me that. I'm sure you've heard it. But just asking what else is there to do rather than that subtle difference right. of, is that all? And that was definitely a, a good thing to learn. That. Oh, yeah. No, I can definitely relate because, like I said, we did window washing as a family business. And we we're in Pennsylvania. So, they, I mean, it gets cold. And now I work through the winter outside, like okay. whether it be radio installs or whatever. And you don't ever, mm-hmm. like, I don't always have the luxury of having the ability to work inside or turn vehicles on or whatever the case may be. So, I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. And also, I think a big part of that, too, is as you grow in maturity, like I talked a bit, I think I talked a bit about when we're working for our dad, there were times like until I came to the point of, of owning in a way the family business, like I had a sense of ownership because like me and Hunter would go and do parts of it on our own. Um, mm-hmm. I realized the importance of the family business because it was literally like us helping dad work was providing for family. So until you almost cross that bridge of maturity where it's a right. job to make money to buy cool stuff versus this is a job to provide once you kind of make that mental shift i think that also has a big part in the ability okay i need to excel at my job i need to do this really well i need to be taking initiative so that we can get done faster so we can be more efficient not necessarily to get to the finish line but so Mm. that way we can do more we can be we can be better at what we're doing you know we can get better word of mouth because, you know, we're going to have a good company reputation, you know, all those different facets of that. And I do think there is a period, like I said, a shift of maturity. And it comes when, like I said, the, like, I remember growing up, we would, dad would pay us, you know, we didn't have an allowance because obviously when you have seven brothers, eight guys, I mean, (laughs) mom and dad would be broke if they gave us an allowance. But as we'd work, dad would give us a little bit of money. And I remember we were all members of the Olymp- <clears throat> excuse me, the Olympia Sports like rewards program. And uh, through that, you get like a 20% off every month. Well, it's just a gimmick to get you to come into the store. And of course, we would go. Right. We'd get the 40, 50 bucks from washing windows with dad for a couple weeks. And it would be burning a hole in our pocket. We had to go spend <laughs> it. And then as I got older and got to the point where I got my car, it was like, oh no, I got to pay for gas. I got to pay for maintenance. Then it was like money was like, okay, now let's save this money because I need to have it for when my piece of junk car breaks down or whatever it may be. That shift in maturity goes from getting money to blow money to getting money to save money. 
And I think that's a big part, a big step in maturity for a young man or a young woman, just a young person or just a person in general, because it may not, I think for some people, you see it all the time. That's why credit card companies prey on people is because they don't ever get to that sense of maturity and understanding why we work, why God gave us, you know, the desire and the ability to work is, you know, to provide for our own. So we can have the fun things we want to have, like things aren't bad. But it has to be done like in a, it has to be done in the right way, um, right. and I think that that is a big part of why it's important to work as a young person, grow up working, because then when you get to that point, you have a solid foundation and it's natural. It's a natural transition to providing for your family, to providing for your wife, to providing for yourself if you're single, doing whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, my parents, um, they made me save most of everything I made. And at the time I was pretty upset about it, but then I got to college and, you know, I had a lot more saved up than, than, you know, my classmates, a lot, a lot of people sitting out yeah. years and things. And my parents were able to help just a tad on, and I was grateful for their help, but I paid for the majority of it myself, yeah. you know, yep. and I was able to, to make it for a while without having to get a job in college because I had saved so much. And that's ingrained to in me now. I'm I finally got a, a really good job and I'm able to do that while I'm taking my master's. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get to that later, I, I imagine. But um, but that mindset is still there. And so I'm looking at not sure. just how can I blow it, but how can I save it for the future? Exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And that goes into the to the habits we had right. and to how we, how we grow in our maturity and our view of money. Yeah. And I think one cool thing, and I definitely want to do it and give my kids the opportunity to have this so we all lived at home as long as we could. Um, I know a lot of guys that it's like, oh, I want to get my own apartment, get my own apartment, get my own apartment, or whatever, move out, get my own house. Um, and I don't mean in a way like my brother Tim wants to get a house to flip. That's a different story. Okay. That's yeah, that yeah, has yeah. a goal at the end. Um, but like a lot of guys, like they they're they're it's like almost like a status symbol to move out. Yeah. And I think that there is the weakness of our culture where kids never move out. Like that's that's totally a different animal. I'm not going to touch that. But my dad gave us the opportunity to live at home. And you know, we we helped out with a little bit of you know, rent if you will, but it's basically to cover the money that they're throwing at food for us. And right. then right. if we had a phone or if we had a car, we paid our own phone and our own insurance. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's awesome because it gives you the ability to save without the pressure of having to, you know, throw money at rent or throw money at whatever. It it gave me the ability to save a chunk of change. So that way, when I got married and when I went to school, I didn't have, you know, other expenses. I was able to put all that money away for mm-hmm. the future. And I think that's awesome. And I want to be able yeah. to give that opportunity, um, to my kids one day of, Hey, as long as you are, you know, living right and respectful of all that for your mom and me and family and all that, and you're able to, you know, live at home, save your money for your future wife and kids and blah, 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 because that's the opportunity my dad gave me. I know that's a little bit of a rabbit trail from what we're talking about, but I think it does play in a little bit. Um, yeah, no, if I just can a value one of step that. further, yeah, go yeah, ahead. If I can go one step further down the rabbit hole. I actually read an article the other day that I don't remember the exact wording. I'm pretty sure it was it was titled something like "Comfort versus Autonomy," 
And mm-hmm. it was kind of looking at what you're saying from the opposite perspective. And you, you touched on the opposite perspective, and I think it is really important what the attitude of the people are. Because this was saying, you know, a generation or two ago, everybody was moving out like as soon as they were able, and they were looking to right. establish their own households. Of course, they were getting married younger as well. So. Right. But they were looking to establish themselves, start their own families, live, quote unquote, by their own rules. And not that they're being rebellious, but you know what I'm saying. Right, Just right. Establishing yeah. your own house. Yep. And today, the trend is definitely to stay home longer. But I think a lot of times it's not for the reasons you're saying where we're yes. saving up looking yeah. for the future. It's because I want to live comfortably. I don't want to pay rent and have to you know, live in some one-room apartment because that's what I can afford when I can live for free right. with mom and dad until I'm 30. You know, and so he was making the push that we should live like the previous generation and get out of the house. And I'm not saying I disagree with what you're saying. I think it goes to like, why are you living there? Are you right. living there to save? Yeah. Because that's what I've been thinking. I'm going to live here for the next two years and I'm planning on saving, you know, everything I can right. for exactly the reason you're saying. Right. Well, and and, uh, and that's the other side of it that I, I, I actually think I might have mentioned in other podcasts. Like they're literally building houses. And like you always heard about like the mother-in-law suite yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. They're literally building houses with full basements that are living spaces and they have a name. I should look it up because I did. I know I mentioned it in another episode, but they're literally, you're telling me about it. They're literally living spaces for kids for like your, your, your sons that stay and live, you know, with their parents for X amount of years, you know, until like the, like the joke, Oh, you live in your mom's basement. No, they're literally like our society. I mean, it's, it go it's par for the course for the world we live in, obviously. And, uh, but it's literally so that way they don't have to get a job. They don't have to do, I'm not saying that like, that's a whole, right, like right, I said, right. that's a whole nother animal. That's, yeah. that's just not right. I mean, the Bible is very clear about how, you know, you, I mean, the the biblical model is you, you did live with your family until you, I mean, the Bible is very clear. You leave your father and mother and go and, you know, live with your wife. Leave and cleave. Baby. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was the biblical model because your your parents were you gave you the everything you needed. You worked with your parents. I mean, Bible times. Obviously, society is different now. So obviously, right. there's that aspect to it. You can't always compare apples to apples because society changes. Uh, what's the circumstances dictate action? Somebody I can't think of what it is. But anyway, the principle stays the same. That obviously that was a different era. So things were different. But you know. That's a good way to do it. I feel like I, yeah, anyway, I'm kind of losing my train of thought the more I talk about it. So I need to just keep it short and brief <laughs> to the point of what I said. I think it's just good. It's a good opportunity, but it has to be done right. It has to be done maturely and all those things. Mm-hmm. And it can work really well and give you the ability to one day. Yeah. When you start a family, you're not broke. You have money right. that you can, right. if you need to, you can buy a house. If you need to, you'll have money to rent or do whatever the case, whatever the case may be for you that works for you and where you are in that stage of life. But you don't go into a relationship where you start out drowning, you know, you start out with debt or whatever. I think that's a big thing with a lot, even college debt. Um, you, you, you see all these, you know, people that go to colleges to get their degree for whatever they're doing for work you know, they're working towards and they don't really know what they want to do for work. So then they're just like throwing, you know, tens of thousand dollars at a career, but they didn't ever work before. So they're now jumping into a career that they just put all that money into and they don't know what they want to do. And it almost seems like it's backwards. It's almost like 
Mm. No matter like dad, like it kind of goes into dad wanted us always to take opportunities, whatever the job was, whether it was welding, lawn care, building, window washing, what I do now, um, whatever we're good at. Like Luke is really good at Luke did refing for a while. Um, yeah. Luke is really good at like medical stuff. I still think he should try. I mean, there's so many opportunities on like the local training level to get yeah. different tools in your toolbox. You learn how to work. You have good work ethic. That way on the backside, you know, if you have to get a job working, you know, doing, you know, low level work, you're not afraid to do that to exactly. build up to the big job. You know, whether it be, hey, I want to be a, like you, I want to be a pastor, but you know, I need to have a job. Like dad throughout the years, he's had all kinds of jobs because sure. I mean, let's face it, a lot of churches can't pay their pastors or even their assistant pastors, you know, mm-hmm. primarily, because that's probably where a young guy's going to start. You know, they right. can't pay an assistant pastor, you know, 40, 50 grand a year where they're going to need to be provide for a family. So what do you have to do? You have to get another job, but you have to be willing to do that. And I think that's where building the foundation young is so important. And where sure. I think a lot of people in your and I generation, you know, are so screwed up because they never had that foundation given. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah. No, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. All that to say, I wasn't trying to disagree with you at the beginning. Just wanted to give that. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't take it. I didn't take it as that. It. Yeah. Yeah, no. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, you got time for a few more jobs down the, the job history here? Yeah, I got I got one left that I'll touch on. Um, so you, you go ahead if you've got a couple more. All right. Well, this next one was kind of the, the one I've worked for the most, the longest duration of time. And that was Bojangles. So fast food. Wonderful. It's funny. I met a lot of people and I say I worked at Bojangles. I'm like, no way. That's awesome. Like, no, it's not. It's like a half step up from McDonald's. And yeah. A step well, down from well, Chick-fil-A. Side note on fast food. My mom, I mean, this was way back when she was a teenager. So it was probably a little more, probably a little more wholesome than now, but she loved yeah. working fast food. She said it was like one of really? her favorite jobs. Yeah. But wow. okay. she liked the rush and everything about it. But like I said, it might, it, yeah. I mean, probably wasn't too much better, but it definitely probably was a little bit better than now. But anyway, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. No. So I just, I learned a lot from <laughs> working with people on that job. It was really cool. Cause I worked first shift cause I was homeschooled. And uh, I was able to work in the morning and I would actually open the store sometimes coming at four or five and then work till the early afternoon and then do school afterwards. And so because of that schedule, I worked with a lot of older people. So I was kind of the baby of the shift, even though I was 15 or 16, maybe 16 or 17 at the time. And um, it was really just, it was more of a family environment, even though the way Bojangles has their system set up. It's terrible. Like the, the way the, the store is run is, is just rough. <laughs> and there's always drama. But all in all, you tend to romanticize the past. I remember it being a good sure. a good first real job, you know, and working with people. Yeah. That said, I really learned to work with a lot of bad there were two really bad managers, man. It just got on my nerves. And one manager, when she was pregnant, man, we got into it over something. She was trying to overcharge the customer for something, or if they ordered fries and a drink, I would make it a combo for them and save them a few dollars. And she was right. like getting on me, don't don't make it a combo unless they order it that way. I'm like, that's that's dishonest, man. If I right. can save them yeah. a buck, I'm going to save them a buck. So anyways, we got into arguing, and she started crying, man. You know, she's pregnant, so her hormones are gone. <laughs> she, the main store manager came in and – uh uh, the the manager that was crying went over. She was like, "I'm about to quit. He's arguing with me, and I'm about to just leave." <laughs> it was such a mess. Oh man! And there was 
other managers we get into it too, but just learning to to work with them, negotiate, you know, and work in that environment and do what I thought was right. Right. But also be under somebody like that. Right. Yeah. That's probably the hardest part of a job like that is working under, you know, whatever style leadership. And it always seems like, I don't know. I'm sure there are, I'm sure it's not always this way, but it always seems like the worst possible leader is the person that is in charge. It, like, yeah. you know, like, okay, we talk a little bit about, but, uh, like, you know, I, like in the office, the show, like Michael Scott is the, you know, the manager of the office. And I mean, obviously it's, it's the way that the, the show is portrayed is, is all I, the irony of it. You know, it's all like the worst possible, but, but it's true because it always seems like the worst possible person to be in charge is the person that ends up in charge and nobody likes them. They yeah. oftentimes are terrible leaders. They're oftentimes like the actual worst person at the job. But then it's like, well, yeah, yeah. how in the world did you get the leadership <laughs> position? I don't know. It's kind of funny how that seems to be in jobs like that. Um, yeah. Like, and I've, I don't, like I said, I'm just reading from the outside in. I've never done a job like that. But from all the stories I always hear... That yeah. always seems to be Rough. the case. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I have three three hypotheses here. <laughs> One is the most the people most concerned with advancing themselves are gonna be like the most narcissistic and the most about themselves, you know? And so when they get in positions of power, they're only worried about themselves. And so yeah. the people that get promoted the fastest are gonna be the worst leaders. I think <laughs> another reason is is this is like on a broader scale? You've heard the power. You've heard the expression: "Power corrupts." Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. You know, you talk about that, sure. when we're talking about leading nations or whatever. But even on this small micro scale, when you give somebody power over other people, even if it's just a manager of a shift at a fast food station, right. I think sometimes that gets to people's head, and they begin to be a little tyrant. You know, and sure. you can't do that because I'm the boss. Right. And then a third reason is. Uh, a lack of self-awareness and this might sure. play into the other two sure but if i'm a manager and i don't know how it's affecting other people or i can see my actions are affecting other people negatively but i can't diagnose why sure then you know i'm going to be driven to do more yep. behavior that's gonna you know produce worse results sure and i i definitely think all three of those tie together like they like they all can stand alone but in a way they do all tie together and it's actually something yeah. i i try to it actually just resonates with me because it's all stuff that I try to be very, very aware of. Like as a leader of people, I try to be very aware of those facts because it is easy, you know, the butterfly effect, um, like Rob O'Neill calls it, that we don't realize our actions, how they, like, you, you know, it's like the angle thing, you know, when you, or when you shoot a gun, you know, from here to there, it's only six feet off target but then you go a mile down the road and it's sure. a mile off target. And yeah. it's kind of the same thing. We don't always realize how our actions in a moment affect other people, um, circumstances around us, um, timing of different things. I think that's the biggest thing where I can put it in practically with me. Like I'll do a job and I'll have to pick from, you know, 10 different jobs after. And I have to really plan out, okay, I need to do this, then this, then this, because this comes before that or, or whatever the case may be. And a lot of times we miss the fact that, yes, the butterfly effect of how things affect other people. Um, what was the second one you said? Um, I'm trying to think. I just lost it. 
um, people who are given positions of power often use that it gets to their head basically. Yeah. Yep. And that, and that's another one that it's, or even people think it's going to their head. So then that creates drama. Like there's so many different parts to it. So like the, the ability to stay humble and keep things in perspective of the role we're given. Um, and then the power part of it. Um, a lot of people are just like, like, you know, the Michael Scott, um, (laughs) or you, you take it in, you know, the work is the kind of the microscope, like you think politics and how people get into politics and, you know, goes right to their head and like all just the different factors of that and how they all play together can be, can definitely be crazy. And actually that makes me think of, um, I forgot what I was going to say. I'm having a day here, but anyway, I, (laughs) yeah, I can agree with all that for sure. And definitely those three things play, play into each other and, uh, they can definitely create, as they say in Maine, a recipe for disaster. Um, <laughs> I <yeah>. like that. <laughs> I'll talk, uh, just, you know, I'll, I'll finish up my side of this and then you can give your closing thoughts and then we'll wrap it up for today as we're almost out of time here. But uh, we worked, me, it, I think it started me and Luke. I just got my license and we started working for a guy renovating a building. Um, It was going to be a cosmetology school. And the guy who was doing the work, and I, I want to be careful how I present it. I don't want to, you know, put anybody down. But it was the uncle of the person who owned the school. And the guy was like a big time construction guy in New York. But he was, most of the time he was the boss, I guess, of jobs. I don't know. It was always him telling us the story. So how much it was actually like accurately true, I don't know. Um, but always just seemed like he was capitalizing on his niece one um and this is my example of maybe a a bad leader a bad a bad boss um and then he he just won everything like everything was like fake it till you make it and me and my brother luke i mean this was a big job where they're renovating an entire building um and i remember we started working in like october working for the guy and thankfully um, my dad kind of, like we were working we we're kind of doing grunt work that's all it was supposed to be well then right. it turned into we were doing the work and I mean like tiling salon bathrooms and all this <laughs> stuff like me and Luke I was 16 at the time so Luke was 14 we were working after school and it was like we're way out of our league like we shouldn't be doing this like we don't right. know what we're doing We've never tiled it. This place is going to be used as like a business. Why are we doing this? Yeah. And the guy just would like leave us. He'd be like, oh, here's your, here's your stuff. And he'd just leave us. So we would waste all kinds of supplies trying to figure stuff out. <laughs> and I remember somehow, I don't remember how exactly, but Jordan, who's a builder, I mean, he built like million dollar houses. Somehow he got involved. And then Hunter and Brendan on, Chris, on Christmas break and stuff. So it be- ended up being the five of us working together. And so it ended up being tons of fun because then we had an yeah. experienced guy kind of in charge of us, what we we're doing, even though we we're still working under this guy. Um, and it was just crazy because it was like you, we got hired to come in and literally the way it was pitched to us was to come in and do like the cleanup work, the grunt work, you know, the empty the trash, clean the place out, you know, run errands, be the assistant to the person doing the job. And then it was us, a 16 and a 14. Like we even, 
it got really there's one point where like we might need to quit because there'd be people like contractors come in to do like some parts and be like oh you guys shouldn't you guys be in school and stuff like that we'd be like we're gonna get in (laughs) trouble like even though we have permission to do this after school we're gonna get in trouble but then uh i remember jordan came in it was around christmas time of course then it's like we had the stereo set up blasting the christmas tunes um and it was fun but it just made me think like that guy was a horrible boss. <laughs> like he yeah, was terrible. Yeah, yeah. And, but it taught me, like, I remember it was also my first exposure to like really worldly men. Hmm. I mean, and I don't mean that to be, I don't mean that to put down people because, you know, the world's going to do what the world's going to do. I don't know if that makes sense. So, yeah. but I remember going home and I would literally feel sick. And I'd go home and I'd talk to dad and I'd be like, I want to quit. Like, I, I don't enjoy it. Like, there's these guys that come in, they're listening to blah, blah, blah. They're, they're saying this, they're talking about that. And I didn't really know how to parse it in my mind. So but then talking through with dad and dad, I'm like, no, this is really actually good for you. Like you know, that's the way the world is. And, and, and so he used it to teach me. And taught me why, okay, this this is, you know, biblically why this, or this is why you do this, this is why this is right, this is why this is wrong. And so it, it taught me, it almost tra- helped me transition as a man of, okay, you know, I, I can't always be protected by working in sheltered environments. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. even though it was a probably on the list of my, probably my number one worst job I ever worked doing, in a way, it taught me some of the most just sure. about life experience. And so that's kind of how a negative job actually was a positive. So that's kind of my last, uh, my last little tidbit for this episode, but, um, I'll, I'll leave it right there for what I'm going to say. And you can go ahead unless I have any comments on your comments. Uh, well, no, I'll just say first that I, I agree with you. Uh, I think usually there's one of three, uh, reactions to work environment like that one yeah they're gonna quit immediately and be like i have i can have no part with this the other is to kind of be like oh well i always kind of wanted to to be part of this crowd anyways you know and just uh yeah. lose your moorings and and listen to their kind of music now and talk like them and all that stuff i've seen that happen to friends of mine sure and the third is to stay true but to become conceited and it's like oh well i'm better than them because i have a standard and sure. they don't you know and I, I think, you know, I appreciate how your dad worked you through that and how you responded to it, that you didn't do any of those things yeah. and just stayed true to what you believe, but, but not be influenced by him either. I think that's rare. Yeah. And it, 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 like, I know I have a lot of friends from growing up that, you know, the second they got into an adversarial work environment or whatever you want to call it, um, because they were so sheltered and so sensitive and then they didn't have the backbone structure like I had to fall back on it completely messed with them you know what I mean I don't mean that mm-hmm. to be critical of anybody that's not what I mean but I do think it's important to like I, I want to give my kids that exposure in a way that they're going to be protected but understand what's going on um I think it's really this is a oh man this is a whole nother rabbit trail I think it's really dangerous for kids when they get to a certain age of maturity that then they get dumped out into the real world, if you will. I don't think you need, I think young people, because they're young people by virtue of that statement, young person, 
they need to be protected and nurtured, especially now that I have a son. Like yeah. I want to protect him from that garbage until he is able and he has the tools to fight it on his own. But at the same time, we can't raise families and kids that are going to be so, you know, the world looks at them like these awkward weirdos that can't function in the real world as a light. Like I've had opportunities to witness the people thousands of times through my work, but, and then I, I've told people, oh yeah, I'm home. I was homeschooled. And they're like, no, you're lying. Be like, no, I was homeschooled. They're like, you're, you're so different than all the homeschoolers I know. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean that to criticize works on, with people. Right. I don't mean that to be critical of homeschooling, but a lot of times that just that atmosphere creates like awkward, socially inept people where I'm glad that my parents appropriately and safely allowed me to be in if you dangerous, if you will, you know, circumstances. What does Jordan Peterson say? Parents need to allow their kids to do dangerous things safely. Yeah. And I know that, I like that, that he means like fall and hurt themselves or get burnt or whatever. But I think it applies even on this side, the sure. psychological, yeah, yeah. the mental side. Um, yeah. So that way, in some ways, it's like I knew a pastor. He talked about how it, he talked about public school. And he's like, some yeah. of my kids, I would let them go to public school and they would excel and they would be a salt and light in public school. He's like, right. and then I got other kids. There is no way I would ever send that kid into a public school. And yeah. I do think you, as a as a leader and as a parent or whatever the case may be, uh, even as a child, you have to know what you're, you're, you know, you have to, when you get to that point where it's like, okay, put the brakes on, put the brakes on. But at the same time, proceed cautiously with others. You know what I mean? There's, there's all kinds yeah. of, I know this is again going yeah, on. Yeah, we on should, we should do another, a part on that sometime. Yeah, That'd it's a, a whole nother, topic. that's another whole nother topic, but it's a good one. Um, we'll definitely dive into that. I think we'll, I think we'll leave it right there. I think, are you good? Do you have anything else you want to say? I have, I have one more thing to say. Right, good. Go for it. Yeah. No, absolutely. I yeah. have four more jobs and like six more lessons, but we'll save that for, for another day. Yeah. Um, anyways, the most recent lesson that the Lord's been teaching me is just the idea of materialism. We talk a lot about work and a lot about money and, you know, just, there's been a lot of things I've went through. I, the job I have now, I'm really grateful for, but it took me three months to get it. And for a while I thought I wasn't going to get it. And then even after I got it, I thought I had lost it. And there's just a lot of messages, even like four or five months ago, the Lord was preaching, um, or people were preaching and the Lord was speaking to me. And then even more recently as well. And I think I know why <laughs> now, <laughs> because now that I'm at the job that I'm at, I, I hear a story about a guy who's going to the same Bible college that I'm now going to for my master's. And he was just trying to work there part time. And when he finished schooling, quit that and go be a missionary, I think his plan was. But they kept offering to move him up. And eventually he gave up his plans to be a missionary. And he's now he's in Oklahoma. And he's like really high up in the company. And I don't fault the guy. I don't know his story. You know, I, I can't judge that he did the wrong thing. But right. I've seen too many times guys quit in the ministry because they want to be financially secure or they're just chasing more money. Mm -hmm. um, or even people that aren't called to the ministry just making poor decisions to move or to, to miss work or miss school, uh, church rather. For different different decisions and just that pursuit of the love of things. And right. um, my most recent job, I've only been working there a week, but I'd say that's the lesson I've learned from that yeah. is to work, earn money, be wise, be mature, but don't don't live for that love yeah. of money. That's one reason why I, I really, really appreciate my boss now, his perspective on that. Um, 
he he is a very very generous man and mm. he's he's been fairly successful in, in all the different ventures he's done but his goal in life and some people may think otherwise they may look at him and i know that it's different because obviously because of the relationship i have in him, with him and also because i understand why he's doing it you know because he's a christian and mm. and i see the ministry opportunities that he has but other people look at it, you know, and they see, oh, you know, he's doing that to do, get money, to do this, to do that, blah, blah, blah. And I, it's like, no, you know, you want, you know, because, because I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I don't feel called to the ministry, but mm-hmm. I see the benefits of as we're successful, we can then be a blessing to people, yeah. to churches, to, um, you know, there's a, there's a, place near us that's a women's center for it's basically the opposite of Planned Parenthood they do the opposite stuff and we can be a blessing to people like that help them out in XYZ and there's all these different ways and you see that there is those two there's the hey we can be successful as a business and God is going to bless us as we continue to be generous with what and do what is right but then you see these people that they do, they get into business and they grow, 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 grow. It consumes them. It, it's their life blood because, you know, they want to be the next whoever, you know, um, JP Morgan, whatever the case may be. They want to be the next billionaire. Right. And it's like, okay, what is that going to get you in the end? And that's one right. reason why I can resonate with what you're saying. And I can even speak a little bit from the other side of it, of, of why I can appreciate the way my boss's philosophy is, because yeah. it is counter that. It is, right. hey, you know, we're not the pastors, but how can we support the pastors? Or whatever Absolutely. the case may be. But then you get the people yeah, yeah. that are like, you know, they are. I've known people that are like, man, that guy is gifted. But then they're just doing this. Why, why are you here? Like you almost look at them sideways and be like, dude, you're totally not on your calling. And I'm not going to say, Hey, go do that. But you almost just like question like, dude, what are you doing here? You're, 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 you're out of our league. Like you're up here. We're down here. <laughs> type thing. And whatever the case may be, it may not be, they need to be in ministry. It may even be, Hey, you need to be in another job field or whatever, but you know what I mean? Sure. Sure. So yeah, I can definitely agree, agree with that and, and, and all that. So, all right, cool. Well, we're just about, we're at, uh, we're just under an hour. So that's about where I like to keep these ones. So that's perfect. Um, thank you, Quincy, again, for being on. We'll do it again in about a month. Um, awesome. We'll pick another topic to rant on for a little while. Um, I appreciate you and, and your, uh, you know, your, your example and your testimony. It's pretty awesome just seeing what the Lord is doing with you. And, uh, thank you so much for being on the junk drawer podcast. Thank you everybody for listening and, uh, have a great day, great rest of the week whenever you listen to this. Um, keep on keeping on.